You use your, temp you use your thermostat. You want to set your life down, you use your thermostat. What is the thermostat primarily? The primary thermostat of our lives are what? Are the words that we speak. The words that have been spoken. The words that has been spoken about us. So if you want to know where Wokfan is, you want to understand where we're going, you want to primarily understand what is happening to us or what our church is like, sit down. Take a time. Take your time and sit down. Five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes with the average member. Listen to what they are saying. And you know where we are. You know where we're headed. That is how powerful words are. Look at what the scripture says. If you don't believe me, look at what the scripture says. Proverbs 18.21 Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit thereof. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. In the, earlier in the morning, this scripture was quoted. All right? But what I'm trying to tell you about this, what I'm trying to tell you this morning, what I'm saying to you this morning about the words, about words, and about how powerful uh, the words are, I want to declare to you this morning, and I want to say to you, I want to announce to some, some of you, you know it, some of you, what I want to say, some of you know it, some of you don't know it. Some of you is going to be new to you. I'm telling you this morning, that you cannot rise above the level of the conversations you are having. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do I repeat it again? You cannot rise above the level of the conversations you are having. The cap of your life is basically the words that you are speaking. If you are going to rise any higher... Beyond the level you are in now, the primary thing you must do first is change your conversation. Change your words. Change what you say. Change how you say it. Because the things that you say becomes prophetic. They are self-fulfilling prophecies. All of us know that we walk by grace, right? We have, we have been blessed by grace. God has raised us up. God has blessed us. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. But sometimes the hindrance, what is hindering us from entering into the fullness of what God has given to us or the provisions that God has made available for us are the words that we are speaking. That is the gate man against you entering into where God wants you to go to. This morning, I want, you to say, I want you to say with me. I know I cannot rise beyond the level of my conversation. Therefore, come on, say therefore, I decide, I determine this morning to raise the level of the quality of my conversations in the name of Jesus. You cannot rise beyond the level of your conversations. What you say will put a cap. You can only go as far as your conversations let you go. So again, if you want change, if you want transformation, 
if you want to live where you are, if you want to move from where you are to the next level or to the next point, you've got to change your level of your conversation. You've got to change the quality of the conversations you're having. They have got to change. Look at what Paul said. Colossians 4, verse 6. Look at what he said. That's what, that's what Paul said. He said, let your speech or let your words be with what? Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each and every one. Let your word feel, be filled with grace. In other words, there are some words that are called grace words, right? There are some words, there are some conversations that are grace inclined. Am I correct? And what is a grace conversation like? What are grace words like? If Paul said, let your words be full of grace, it means there are words that are grace-filled. It means there are words that are not grace-filled. And let me just say, this is just aside. This is just aside. Uh, I, I will, I'll, I'll come back to these grace words. This is just aside. There are three, you know, words generally, for me, I categorize words into three things. All right? There are words of grace. There are words of doom. And in between them, there's, there are words, there are idle words. Now, you don't want to be in that angle of idle or doom. You want to be in that category. You want to check that category of grace words. And this morning, I want us to know, what does grace word look like? A word that is filled with grace, that is seasoned with salt, that gives an answer to who is ready to listen. What does it look like? Because if we don't know what grace words look like, the words that are filled with grace, they, I mean, it just becomes theory to us, right? They're just words. They're just theories. We're just saying things. We're just talking things. So what are grace words? What do they look like? Let your words be full of grace. In other words, the, the, the word grace here that Paul said, the word, the word grace here is the word, you know, it's, it's not grace as in, it's, it's the word charis, all right? It's, but it is interpreted not as uh, life or, or uh, our normal interpretation of what grace is. But grace-filled words, the word that is used there in the Greek Represents the word benefits, gifts. In other words, Paul is saying that when you and I speak, our words and our conversations should be like a gift to the hearers. When you and I speak, when we're talking, our words, our conversations should be beneficial to somebody. People need to be able to listen to you, hear you, speak to you, and then they go and they feel like they got a gift. Yeah. 
That's what grace, that, that's what a word that is full of grace will do. When you speak a word that is full of grace, when somebody listens to you, they feel they have benefited something. They feel something has been added to them, not taken away from them. They feel they have been uplifted. They feel that something has happened to them. They may not be able to explain it. They may not be able to understand it. But they know that something has happened to me. I have encountered grace by speaking to you. I have encountered grace by speaking to you. So grace-filled words. Grace-filled words. Let's go because I don't have too much time. What, what are the characteristics of grace-filled words? What are the characteristics? What, what, what do they look like? When I, when I start speaking and those words are full of grace, my words, what are the things that I can look out for? What are the things I have to be aware of? Number one, words that are full of grace must also be accompanied by truth. If there's grace, there must be truth. Everywhere there's grace, there's truth. Look at what, look at what the scripture tells us. Uh, Paul, can you, uh, can you give me Ephesians 4.26? Can you give me Ephesians 4.26? Ephesians 4.26, Paul is explaining himself here. He said, uh, be angry and do not sin. Do, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Ephesians, is it 4.26? Let me see 4.25 before that. Yes, 4.25. Look at what it said. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one another. We are members one another. Every word that is full of grace must be full of truth. There is no dichotomy between grace and truth. Right? There's, there, I mean, I, I know people, and I'm not, I'm not kidding, I kid you not. I know people that when they say something to me, I doubt them. I kid you not. I'm telling you the truth. Born again Christians. You say it, I have to verify. You see, the time I am using to verify, I'm supposed to have been blessed by then. But because I don't trust you, it's not channeled. The blessings are not channeled. It, it, it doesn't matter how sophisticated what you're saying is. It doesn't matter how important what you're saying is. Once there is that doubt, that element of doubt, you've lost me in that grace arena. Let your words. You see, let, you see speak truth to one another. Sometimes truth may cost you, but it's temporal. But at least when you speak, people can trust you. People can rely on you. People can rely on your word. Because really, the most important thing about you outside of what Jesus has done for you is the veracity of your word. Can you say it and we stand by it? 
Words are so important. And truth, especially when spoken with truth. So number one quality of a grace-filled word is what? It must be done in truth. We are speaking truth one to another. We are speaking truth one to another. There is no ifs, buts. There is no, you know, there's no reason to doubt. We have to be plain and open because grace is an open book. So number one quality of grace-filled words, there must be truth to it. All right? Number two that Paul tells us. Paul tells us that every word that we speak must be edifying. It must be, number one, truth. Number two, it must be edifying. Can you open to uh, Ephesians 6? Uh, give me Ephesians 6 also, 29. Ephesians 6, 29. Sorry, Ephesians 4, 20. Am I correct? Am I looking at the right? Yes, Ephesians 4, 29. Look at what it said. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good? Uh, what is good for necessary edification? That it may impart grace upon the hearers. That it may impart grace upon the hearers. In other words, what we are saying is, I started with truth because I wanted to show you what corrupt is. I'm bringing it to that corrupt here. Because when your words are not true, they are corrupt. And when they are corrupt, guess what happens? No grace. It's walking outside grace. And when there's no grace, it cannot be what? Edifying. If it's not edifying, it's not beneficial. What is edifying? Edifying means to build up. In other words, our words are like building blocks. What you say either builds or pulls down. But when your words are attached to grace, when the very essence or the very reason why you are speaking is because you want to impart grace, you want to build, you want to edify, guess what? You begin to put up structures. You begin to erect So number one, we said, your words must be what? Okay, only uh, one, two, three, four, five. Our words must be what? There must be truth to our words. Number two, there must be what? It must be edifying. It must be edifying. Everything we say must be intentional. And be about building people. To build up. In other words, you come, you see somebody that is down, your words should be able to beat them up. Somebody listens to you, they feel something about them has happened, something has happened to them. Something about them has changed. Why? Because your words are edifying. They are grace-filled. And listen, people don't have to know you to benefit from your words. Alright? But because you are saying them and they are resting on the foundation of truth and the, the, the desire to edify everybody. Look at what Paul says. He said, he, said, he said, speak to the listener so that those that hear you, so that those that listen to you will be edified. He did not say your friends. He said those that listen to you. 
everyone that listens to you should be edified. So grace field was starts number one from truth. If there's no truth, there's nothing to it again. I mean, you have no credibility. If you have no credibility, your words have no credibility. And your word can be a blessing without credibility. Words are important. And they are powerful. All right. Number three. We get that from Proverbs 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19. Number three. Grace-filled words are few. They are few. All right? Look at what it said. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is what? In the multitude of words, sin is not wanting or is not lacking. Now, sin here does not just mean uh, sin here based on, you know, the the Greek translation, I mean the, the Jewish translation of the word that was actually used for sin, does not necessarily mean sin as in, you know, you are sinning. But what it's saying, what here is saying, it is what we call the mark, right? Marks or boundaries. Because um, sometimes when we sin, you say, oh, I, I, I fell below the mark, right? I did not measure up to the mark, all right? In other words, what it's saying is that when you talk too much, all right? When you talk too much, you cross boundaries. You enter into areas you're not even supposed to enter. And when you get into areas you're not even supposed to get into, guess what? You can't bless anybody. We're, we're talking about uh, America. You bring all kinds of things there. Bring all kinds of stories, all kinds of. They might not necessarily be lies. They might not necessarily be. Uh, they might not necessarily be, you know, uh, uh, things that are wrong. It's just that they don't. They, 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 are, they are out of bounds. They're out of bounds. So the Bible says the wise man, somebody who is wise, somebody who is grace-filled, measures what he says. No wonder in the book of James. He said the person who is wise is the one who has been able to tame his tongue. If your tongue is not tamed, if your tongue is not tamed, you enter into areas. You say things you are not supposed to say. All right? For some reason, I don't know, some of us, you know, or some of us, even, even Christians, some of us, right? We, we, we talk just because we have a mouth, Right? We just talk because we have a mouth. There are no thoughts to what we are saying. There's, there's no veracity. And if your mouth is only for talking, you're using it for the wrong purpose. Sometimes silence is what? Golden, they say. Silence is golden. Don't talk because you have a mouth to talk. Talk because there's a purpose for talking. There's a need to talk. There's a reason to talk. All right? That's when it can be packed. That's when your words can be packed with power and packed with grace and minister. Don't say more than you're supposed to say. Say what you're supposed to say. Let your words be few. That's why in uh, 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 James chapter 1, 
he was telling us, he said, he said the, the Bible tells us, he said, he said we, should, uh, we should be quick to what? Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Don't jump the gun. Remember, we have to be intentional about being a blessing. We have to be intentional in making our words count. We have to be intentional. We have to do it intentionally. So when grace-filled words are spoken, for the most part, they are spoken briefly. There's brevity there. And sometimes, little is much when spoken with grace. Little is much. Number four. Proverbs 4.25. Sorry, sorry. Proverbs 12.25. Grace-filled words are gentle. They are gentle. They are gentle words. Now, before I say something, let me, let me, let me put this caveat there. Now, the word gentle does not mean timid. All right? The word gentle does not mean fear. The word gentle does not mean when you need to speak to somebody in a firm tone, you should not make it firm. That's not what the word gentle is. But the word gentle here is more about how it is spoken, not what is spoken actually. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so I said what? Gentle does not mean timid. It does not mean weakness. It does not mean fear that, oh, don't talk to him because, you know, you're afraid. Or, oh, don't, don't, don't be firm. Don't be firm because you're going to offend him. That's not what gentle means there. Gentle just has to do with how you say what you're supposed to say. All right? How do you say it? Because the way you say something could be reason for how the person is going to receive what you're saying. You can say the truth all you want. If it comes out wrong, it's not going to be received. It doesn't matter how, I mean, power-packed your words, your words are. If they come out wrong, they end up not being a blessing to anybody. So, the word gentle, the word gentle does not mean don't be firm. Let's say you are a boss at your place of work and something goes wrong and you need to talk to an employee, all right? Uh, don't, don't, don't say, oh, Gracefield World says, you know, I want to speak grace to this guy. He's uh, gentle, so, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, no, be firm. Say it with firmness, but say it right. There's a right way to say things and there's a wrong way to say things. I can say good morning and somebody takes offense. Because really, like we said earlier on, the way you say something, by the, as the word comes out from a man, you can determine what is in the heart of a man. That's what the Bible says. It says, it says yeah, the Bible talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right? So you can know the heart of a man. 
You can know who he is by listening to what he says and how he says what he says. So a man can tell you good morning, but really he doesn't mean good morning. The heart will be revealed. You understand what I'm saying? A man can tell you, uh, uh, I wish you well, but really the way he said it, especially, now what's a good example for us? The good example is apology. Somebody, you tell somebody, somebody needs to apologize to you. All right? And the way the apology comes becomes even more insulting than the, than, than the, than the previous insult, right? Am I correct? Why? Because of the way they said it. So grace-filled words are gentle words. And it refers to the way a thing is said. How are you saying what you're saying? You have to be gentle about it. Right? I know some people, they mean well for their kids. You are correcting them. You are saying, I mean, you want them to do well. You want them to do right. But every time you want to confront them, it is wrong. The way you say it is wrong. And they get the wrong message. And so instead of your word bringing them closer, it drives them afar. The way you speak to your wife, the way you speak to your husband. Very important. It can determine the togetherness of a family or the falling apart of a family. The way you speak. Don't just speak. In fact, there's a place in, 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 um, in, in, in James, James chapter 3, where James was tying anger to words. James tied anger to, work, to, to, to words because it is very easy for the words that we say to generate blessings or to generate anger or resentment. Once your word generates resentment, you know they are not grace-filled. But when somebody feels blessed because they have listened to you, you know your words are carrying grace. Your words are carrying grace. They are seasoned with salt. Uh, one more before I quickly wrap up. One more thing. I have so many, so many things here about my time constraints. Another characteristics of grace-filled word, a word that is filled with grace, another characteristic is that it must be faith-filled. It must be faith-filled. It must be faith-filled. It must be faith-filled. And, and many times, many times for us, right, we think that, oh, if I just speak a word, and I just say something, uh, it does not matter. Right? But Jesus, in the, book, in, in the book of Matthew, was telling us, he said, even the idle words that we speak will be accounted for. 
huh? I, I don't have time to tell you what idol words are, to explain what idol words are, and this thing. That's, that's another entity. That's another topic for another day. All right? But what I'm saying is, our words must be filled with faith. In other words, you are not just talking because you want to talk. You are not just talking. You are not just complaining. Your words are filled with faith. Every time faith-filled words are spoken, they bring about change. They bring about transformation. They bring about exaltation. Faith-filled words are grace-filled words. So, can you remind me again? Number one, we said what? The characteristics. Number one is what? It must be? Number two must be what? Number three must be what? Huh? Few. Number four must be what? And then the fifth one is what? Our words must be faith-filled if we want to be a blessing. Now, let me take this, let, let, me, let, let me put this caveat. Now, all I'm saying, it looks like, you know, you have to be dead serious every time. Am I correct? You have to, but that's not what I'm saying. All right? Now, there's room for you to be free and enjoy yourself. There's room for you to joke and laugh. All right? And enjoy life. Are you listening to me? So, I'm not saying every time, you know, uh, you know you're, you're, you're talking and then you're looking. Is that... Is that is that field? Is that few? Is that, is, that, is, that, is that? That's not what I'm saying. All right? Or let me say, that's what I'm saying, but not, not the way I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm replaying it now. All right? What I'm saying is our words, the words that we speak, they are so powerful. They are so important. All right? And we have to take heed to the words that we're speaking. Because they determine where we're going. You see, words are so crucial. Words are so crucial to life. They are so crucial to our faith, especially. Right? That the Bible tells us that the way you will know a matured man is by the words he speaks. James chapter 3 talks about how everything is with this. He said the tongue is an unruly evil. It can set the course of nature ablaze. If they are not rightly used. But again, on the contrary, if they are rightly used, it can set the course of nature alive. It can set the course of nature alive. Another, thing, another reason why they are so critical to our, uh, our faith is that the Bible tells us the first indication to know who is wise or who is foolish is the words that they speak. When you speak, people know if it's folly or it's BS, like we say. That's what folly is, right? Or people know if it is wisdom fool, if it is fool of wisdom, fool of wisdom. Full of wisdom. So how do we get here? How, we, how do we get to the point where we can begin to speak few words? How do we get to the point where we can begin to feed, speak uh, uh, edifying words, faith-filled words, and all the other nice stuff? How do we get there? That's what I want to deal with as I close in the next five minutes. How do we get there? You know, uh, I will not be able to explore these things very well. I'm just sharing you know, certain observations with you. All right? So 
Number one, how do, you, how do, I, begin, how do I begin to speak faith-filled words, grace-filled words, words that have the characteristics of grace? How do I get there that, become, that it becomes a part and parcel of me? Number one, James 1.19. quick so listen in other words you must be a listener now this, this sounds cheesy but it's true that God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we can speak we can listen twice as much as we speak be a listener listen to people don't jump into conclusion. Don't give an opinion when you have not heard all the issues around. Listen. Listen and listen and listen. I was in a situation a few weeks ago and uh, it, it, it involved, you know, certain people. Three people, really. And somebody... Uh, Somebody wanted me to talk to somebody to get the person to do something which was good in itself. And the pressure was on. And I'm like, I, you know, I said, look, it would be foolish of me to just make a decision without listening to every party. It would be foolish. And when I listened to the other party, I got a completely, completely, I mean, I mean, it was like night and day what was happening. Now, you see, the truth is sometimes, sometimes, right, when somebody says things like, when things like that happen, it's not because the person is lying. No, the person is not lying. The person is only saying things from their own perspective. They are only seeing things from, the, from their own side of the divide. And listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Let me, let me just put this out here. Let me, let me say this. For the most part, people believe what they are saying. For the most part, people believe it. For the most part. What people are saying, for the most part, actually makes sense to them. It may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to them. And that's why you, you have a responsibility to listen to every part. You have a responsibility to listen. Listen and listen and listen. Don't just form an opinion because you are smart. I know one man who did that and it didn't end up well for him. Right? They called the man Mr. Solomon. Solomon had all the wisdom and all the opinion, but not, he could not use any of them. Right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, he didn't end well. So because you are wise, because you are smart, does not mean you have all the parts of the story together. So number one, to get to that point where you can speak faith-filled words, number one, listen, be a listener. Listen. 
How long should I listen? As long as I can listen. Keep listening. As much as you can. Listen. Number two. Faithful words. Number two. Oh my God. Okay. I'll finish with this. If you want to get the rest, we'll postpone it to Wednesday. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. This morning, I just want us to bow our heads. I want us to bow our heads. Is there anything you need to change concerning your conversations? Because like we have said, your words, your conversations, your confessions are your limits. Is there anything you need to change? want you to know this morning, the Bible says if you lack wisdom just ask from God who gives liberally and does not find faults I want to tell you God is not finding fault with you, he just wants to readjust you, he wants to realign you and God and his word are the only great changes that can set you on course Father, this afternoon, we just want to thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your people. Thank you for change that is coming. Thank you for the words that we have spoken. Father, we bless you. We give you praise. Is there anyone who needs a change this afternoon in their conversation? Thank you because you have that coal of fire that you can drop on every tongue and every lip to make our conversations align with grace. We give you praise and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, I trust that the Lord has spoken to you and that we will not just hear it and do nothing about it. You know, there is uh, a song. Unfortunately, I cannot translate it. Um, it's, it's a song in my native tongue. Maybe uh, Pastor Abike can help translate it to English. Those days we used to sing that song. Very, very uh, touching. He said, Mofeda be Jesu. Nino Iwakbele. Oniko Senito Bo Oro Ibino Lenure Lekon Ri Mofe. Da be Jesu Nino Iwa Pele Kuseni to Baro Binu Lenu Re Lekon Re 
You know, back in the days, <laughs> uh, the word we just heard were some of the things that when you become born again, those are, um, you know, you don't look at anything else except Jesus. You want to walk like Jesus, walk. You want to talk like Jesus, talk. You want to have conversation like Jesus did. But it seems all of that, I hope it's not slipping away. When our words cannot be trusted, when we have to double check and verify when the Christians speak, we have to go double check and verify and triple check. And it is the same mouth that we want to use to bring souls to the kingdom of God. Unrighteousness does not beget righteousness. That's what the Bible says. I want us to bow our head. We want to go into communion service. Jesus told us that any time we do the communion, we should remember him. Can you think about a time when Jesus spoke and it was not true? Can you think about a time when Jesus had conversation with people around him and it does not result in grace or benefit or blessing? Everyone that came listening to him, when they returned back, their life.